All right, well, take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to the Gospel of John. We're going to be in John chapter 6 today. And as you're turning there, either in a physical copy of God's Word, which is my personal favorite, or if you're using the Bible app, just get a copy of God's Word and get ready to dig into John chapter 6. We're going to look at a couple of verses today as we continue our sermon series uh, for the summer. That's called Road Trip. And we're letting the Bible answer some questions that we might have along life's way. Now, I want to take a, just a moment, if you will, a, a point of privilege. I, I think I can do that. At least I'm, I'm going to do that for just a tidbit. And just say a big kudos and thank you to Miss Elizabeth Carter. Miss Elizabeth, thank you so very much for what you do for our nursery. Um, I love how it looks. I love everything about it. If I was a newcomer coming into a church, one of the first things I want to check out is the nursery. And I just like how it looks. Don't y'all like how it Have y'all seen it lately? Y'all need to go by and look at it. Uh, she's done a wonderful job. And in the bulletin, you see we've got an insert in there. And we would love for you to come on board and be a part of that ministry. Maybe you were a part of that ministry at some point in the past. Uh, we'd like for you to consider to come on back and be a part of that. Because like she said in the bulletin, uh, growing church means we've got a growing nursery. So, um, so we would love for you to help us out there in the nursery. All right, so just wanted to say that. Um, but thank you, Elizabeth. I really do mean that from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for all the time and effort that you do when you're up here. I know when you're up here because I recognize your minivan. All right, John chapter 6 is where we're at. So we're looking at the question this morning, how can I know that I'm right with God? Now, I don't fly often. Um, I'm not the best passenger, if you will. But whenever I fly, I always fly with a confirmed ticket, right? I mean, that kind of makes sense. If you're going to be going somewhere, you've got to be able to have a, a ticket if you want to go from one place to another place. And I don't care if I have a, a paper ticket or if I've got an electronic ticket on my phone, uh, I'm going to have a confirmed ticket whenever I get out there to that agent, and before she lets me onto that plane, my little heart is set at ease knowing that I've got a confirmed ticket, be it on paper or electronic. If I've got a confirmed ticket, that tells me a couple of things. It tells me when I'm going to be able to, uh, to board that plane. It's got my name all over it, my full name. Y'all may not even know my full name. Y'all don't want to know my full name, but it's got my full name on there for people to mispronounce. And it's got my boarding time. It's got my row number. It's got my seat number. So when I've got that ticket, praise the Lord, I know there's a seat for me somewhere on that plane. So that means that basically um, until I'm allowed to board, I'm a little bit more somewhat at ease. And the key word there is somewhat, right? Because you're about to get on an airplane. If God were meant for us to fly, we'd have wings, I guess. But, but I would be somewhat a little more at ease. So if I'm at ease before I get on that plane, it means that I'm going to maybe sit a spell. It might mean I'm going to go shopping for a little bit. It might mean I'm going to read a book or do what maybe some of you do. It's what my mom's really good at. That's people watch. Y'all ever good at people watching? Oh, look at that person. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? So I might be doing all of those different things, but I'm a little bit more at ease. And I will tell you this, I will be drinking as much ginger ale as possible. Because not only do I like the taste, but, it, you know, the ginger, as I say, is good for your stomach and stuff like that. So I'm doing all of that stuff. And it just helps me to have a more relaxing experience because I got this confirmed ticket. But I'll tell you what, if I was flying standby, I would be a nervous wreck. I would be pacing up and down that concourse there wondering, well, are they going to call my name or not? I would be looking at a monitor thinking, well, all those people on there, instead of my name, I need to be more at the top there. I, I may not get on this plane. I would be antsy. I wouldn't be as secure I will be thinking, I may be left off this plane. You see, there's a different experience whenever you fly standby, right? 
are whenever you have a confirmed ticket. When you got a confirmed ticket, you are secure. You're, you're confident. Uh, so I, I like to consider that the security factor or the confidence factor, if you will. So I want to ask you this question this morning. What is your confidence when it comes to going to heaven? When it comes to everybody here in this place today, and those of you that might be watching us online, uh, what is your confidence when it comes to whether or not you're going to heaven? If you were to stand before God in the next 15 minutes or so, if you were standing before the, the Lord Jesus in the next 15 minutes or so, are, are you absolutely confident that he would say, welcome home? Are you absolutely confident in the next 15 minutes, if you're standing before God, that he would allow you to come into heaven? I mean, would you be confident or incompetent? Would you be secure or not secure? Maybe antsy or nervous? Would he say, welcome home, my child, or depart from me? I never knew you. There's a, a lot of people, even in church, and might even be some of you today, that when it comes to your salvation, you're just not really sure. You hope you're saved, but you don't know if you're really right with God. And, and there's a lot of believers that I've come across through the years that when it comes to their salvation, they just aren't as sure as they should be. They just don't have that blessed assurance that Fanny Crosby wrote about many, many, many years ago. Others question their salvation because they can't really remember it. Uh, I vividly remember, Todd, the day that I surrendered my life to Jesus. 1982, McCall RA camp. I remember the song. I remember so much about that particular experience and when I surrendered my life to Jesus. But you know what? It's been told to me. <laughs> that the older I get, the more I may not remember that experience as vividly as I even do now, right? And, and that's the case even with my mother, who's been saved for many years, played the piano, Diane, since she was 16 years of age in her home church. But she's like, you know, I just don't really remember when I gave my life to Jesus as I once did. Well, you know, we're getting all older. So there's a lot of believers that, that struggle with I think I'm saved, but I just don't really remember my conversion experience and that insecurity, that lack of clarity kind of haunts them. So you ask somebody like that, well, are you, are, you, are you sure that you're saved or do you know that you're saved? And you might hear somebody say, well, I hope so, or I think so. Uh, well, I want you to have a no-so answer to that question. Pastor Tony Evans, um, you know, great man of God, spoke at our Southern Baptist Convention recently. He said, a great spiritual malady permeates the church of Jesus Christ today. He said, if I were to give it a name, I would call it ADD, Assurance Deficit Disorder. Assurance Deficit Disorder. Now, Tony Evans didn't say this, but your pastor is saying this. If that's you, and if you've got ADD, if you've got Assurance Deficit Disorder, you will not be able to live the victorious Christian life that God has in store for you to live right here on this side of eternity. Because you've got to have that assurance. And God doesn't want his children to live with not being assured. I never, know, I never, never want any of my kids to say, man, I hope Dad loves me. I want them to know that Dad loves me. I was inspired yesterday. I sent Sarah, my, my youngest, my, my only daughter, a text. And I said, she's not here today. She spent the night with friends, so I'm going to talk about her since she's not here. Okay? I said, I sent her a text because I want her to know that I'm, you know, I'm doing texting and all that stuff. And I said, I said, Sarah, I love you. I think you're awesome. I think um, I'm so proud to be your dad. I said something kind of smooshy and ooshy and stuff like that. 
I'm thinking I just knew I was going to get a text back from her. I don't even think she's read it yet, to be honest with you. It says that it's been delivered, but I don't think she's ever read it, so go figure. But I'm trying to connect, doing my best. But I don't want any of my kids to think, well, gosh, I wonder if Dad doesn't love me. I want them to know, and, and our Lord wants us to know that we're saved when it comes to our salvation. So the question today, how can I know that I'm right with God? My hope and prayer is that when you leave here in a few minutes, I wonder why Robert gave me so much long time to preach today. I, I don't know, but when you leave in a few minutes, I want you to have a no-so salvation. I don't want you leaving here thinking, well, gosh, I hope I'm saved. Maybe one day. Hey, today could be the day of your salvation. I really want you to know that when you leave here in just a few minutes. So John chapter 6, a great portion of God's Word. Pick up there with me in verse 35, and we're just going to read a couple of verses this morning. We'll refer to a whole lot of others, but, but John chapter 6, beginning at verse 35. Here's what the Bible says. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me I will never cast out, for I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. May God bless the reading of his word this morning. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, thank you for your word today. Uh, thank you that it is a word that you have chosen for those of us that are gathered here this morning to, to hear from you. So Lord, I pray that if there's those here that are saved, and I know there's a lot of folks that are here that are saved, I pray that you will give them that blessed assurance that they are saved. For those that think they're saved, Lord, I pray that you will confront them with the truth that they may not be saved. They haven't given their life to you. They haven't repented of their sins. There's no fruit in their life. And then, Lord, for those who are not saved and they know it, that, Lord, you will break down whatever barrier that stands between you and them and between them receiving forgiveness of their sins and the free gift of salvation. Lord, may the Holy Spirit and your word be our teacher today, we pray in Jesus' name. And if you agree with that, would you say amen, church family? Hey, this is, I love this passage of Scripture, and I, and I hope you'll love it too if you haven't already found a love for God's word in this particular passage of Scripture. But there's, a, there's just one overarching truth that I see here that I hope you'll get down. I don't have this in your notes or anything like that, but basically this is this one awesome truth we see in this passage of Scripture, and that is that Jesus makes everyone that comes to him right with God. If you come to Jesus, Jesus will make you right with God, but until you come to Jesus, you're not going to be right with God. If you want to be right with God, you've got to come to Jesus. Y'all with me? So if you, got, if you want to come to Jesus, you come to Jesus, you will be right with God. But if you don't get right with God, it's, it's because you're not coming to Jesus. And it's not about how good you are or how religious you are or how faithful you are to the church. Or you might give more money than anybody else to this church. And thank the Lord for you. Thank, thank all of you for giving to the ministries of the church here. But the only thing that matters with you being right with God is your relationship with Jesus Christ. And as I look at this passage of Scripture, Jesus gives us some promises here. And if we embrace these promises, I really think it will help you answer the question, how can I know that I'm right with God? And here's the first promise that we see. 
When you come to Jesus, Jesus will perfectly satisfy you. You know, the reason Mick Jagger never could be satisfied is I don't think he ever came to Jesus. You come to Jesus, he'll satisfy you. Anyway, let me not preach on that sermon. Let me stick to this one. But look at verse 35. Jesus begins with these wonderful words. He says, I am the bread of life. If you see that, say amen if you do. I am the bread of life. Right before Jesus said that, in fact, the day before Jesus uttered these words, he had fed 5,000 people there in that particular region of Galilee, and he did so with, with, with five pieces of bread, if you will, and then some fish, you know, two fish. Now, I don't know if they were brim brass, bass or crappy or whatever. I just hope they were fried. But anyway, he, he feeds these individuals with five loaves of bread and two fish, and then Jesus interprets a particular sign for them. He's like, hey, I'm wanting you to know that I am the bread of life. Now, what's significant for, uh, for Jesus doing that, especially for the Jewish people that are around him, is that they were able to remember, huh, this guy can, can take care of us physically. Anyway, and, and he's saying that he's God. But if he's saying that he's God, do you remember way back when our forefathers were wandering around the desert those 40 years? You know, God, the great I am, Yahweh, took care of our physical needs, and he fed us every day. So, so they're remembering back, back when their forefathers, under the leadership of Moses, was wandering around that desert for 40 years. And I know what some of you ladies are thinking. It's because he was a typical man. He never stopped and asked for directions, right? right? We're not going there. Not going there. But, uh, but, but back when the children of Israel were in the wilderness under the leadership of Moses, every day God would provide for their physical needs. He would give them something to eat. And it was something called manna yeah thank y'all for answering that y'all know what the word manna means i'm about to tell you what the word manna means it means we don't know what it is have y'all ever had any type of food put before you and you're thinking what in the world is that well it's probably manna uh, you just don't have any idea what it is that's when you pray the missionary prayer lord i'll put it down if you'll keep it down it's it's manna you have no idea what it is so when, so when jesus comes he's saying hey i'm the messiah and I'm going to provide for your physical needs in the same way that this bread is providing for you physical sustenance. I'm going to provide for you a whole lot more. I am the bread of life. And he who comes to me shall never hunger again or never thirst again. Now, the language Jesus uses here is, is pretty, it's pretty sweet. Uh, it, it's pretty powerful to be just brutally honest with you because what Jesus uses here is something we're taught in school never to use. And I know I butchered the King's English a lot. But he uses a double negative here. And if you've got an English teacher worth his or her grain and salt, they will tell you, you, you never use a double negative whenever you're writing something. And, uh, but I know I probably mess that up a lot. But Jesus uses a double negative here to emphasize what he is saying. So let me just read to you what Jesus really would have said back in his vernacular of the day. He is saying, I'm the bread of life. And whoever comes to me shall never know never. Y'all catch that? You catch it? Whoever comes to me shall never, no, never go hungry again. And if you come to me, you shall never, no, never thirst again. So he's basically saying, if you come to me, I will completely satisfy you forever so that spiritually you'll never hunger and you'll never thirst again. So Jesus makes us right with God by spiritually satisfying us. He, he fills that vacuum that we have in our souls that we try to fill so often with other things or with other people. Jesus is the only one that can satisfy. Thus, he says that he is the bread of life. In the deepest part of who you are, in the deepest part of your soul, Jesus fills that empty spot. And until you give that spot to Jesus, you will always, always, never be.
And I wonder how many people are in churches today just like ours. Could even be somebody here. And they're here today and they would say, you know what, Ryan, I've got an emptiness in me. I have been searching to fill that void. And, and I've been going through the motions forever and forever. I wonder, have you ever given your life to Jesus? Have you ever been sold out to him? You maybe if you never grasp what it is and, and, and you realize, hey, really, I think I'm just missing Jesus in my life. And maybe you tried other things. Maybe other people have come into your life, but all that stuff still leaves you empty and void. Can I just tell you something from my heart to yours? There will always be an empty spot in the soul of every person until they give their soul to Jesus, until they give their heart to Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the what? The blood of Jesus. Yeah, Jesus and only Jesus can satisfy. Don't y'all like to be satisfied? Man, I do. I'm a Baptist preacher. Y'all know I want to be satisfied. But hey, speaking of that, years and years ago, back on before I was married, uh, my mom and, and Robert, Robert, y'all probably know this by now, he's kind, kind of like a dad to me. And he's, he's been in heaven now for uh, a long time, uh, pancreatic cancer. But anyway, Robert, uh, it, it's amazing how much time you spend with somebody, their mannerisms and things they like to do just kind of rubs off on you. Uh, Robert likes to travel. I like to travel, things like that. And, and he liked to eat in some fine places, and I like doing that as well every now and then. But what was cool about Robert is he always paid for it. Now, now I'm stuck with the bill. But um, we went to a place in Columbia one day, and I had never been to a place like this before in my life. I mean, it's, it's one of these restaurants that you went to, and it took hours to get your food. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I mean, just fine dining to the max. You say, how fine was it? Here, this was it, Kip. You wouldn't believe it. They would come to your table, the waiters, with like a napkin over their forearm. That's pretty fine dining. I had never seen a thing like that before. And here's what was really cool about it. If you had a crumb on your tablecloth, a waiter would come by with what I would call a crumb brush and a plate, and he would brush that, that crumb off into the plate there so that you would have a nice little tablecloth there. I thought, man, that's pretty. I was so impressed. I made crumbs just to see the guys come out and sweep it off there. And it was a wonderful meal. I mean, man, I left there full. I left there satisfied. But guess what? The next day, I'm hungry again. All right? And you probably would be too. Because nothing on this side of heaven satisfies us, but only Jesus and only Jesus can satisfy us. You come to Jesus, he'll satisfy you. You know, we read over in the Old Testament uh, some words that, uh, that Isaiah gives to us. Come, everyone who thirsts. Come to the waters, and he who has no money, come, buy, and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligent to, to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me here so that your soul may live. And then it finishes up this way. And I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast love, my sure love for David. I love how God says that here he says basically why are you spending on all your time and all your energy and all your money on things that's just not going to satisfy you how come you're chasing after all these things that you think is going to fill you up but it's just going to leave you empty on the inside i tell you again church family nothing will satisfy your soul like a living and vibrant relationship with jesus money's not going to satisfy you you'll always be worried if you have enough a nicer house or a larger house, although that might be cool, it's not going to satisfy you. Have you ever thought about it? You're going to have to clean that house and pay the taxes on that house. Achievements aren't going to truly satisfy you, although those are nice. Pleasure won't. What's here today is gone tomorrow. Children that God has given us, you know, God gives them to us. They're not ours. They're his. They're going to be out of the house before too long. 
at least I'm told that. So, but they're not going to satisfy you all that much. Or they will, I hope they will. Knowledge doesn't. Nothing will truly satisfy you like having a relationship with Jesus. But when you come to him, he will satisfy you. That's a precious promise we see here. But then here's another promise that we see in our text. When you come to Jesus, he will protectively what? He will shelter you. You come to Jesus, he's going to shelter you. I love that promise, and we see that promise here in verse 36. He, he's talking about how he shelters and how he welcomes everyone that comes to him. He tells us, he's like, hey, you guys, he's telling the, the first century folks that were there with him there in Galilee, you've seen me do miracle after miracle after miracle, and yet you're begging for more. And then he says in verse 36, you've seen what I can do for you, and yet you still don't believe? You still don't believe after you've seen miracle after miracle after miracle? Think about it. They had seen his power firsthand. Eyewitnesses of these miracles. They had eaten from the bread that came from the bread of life's hand. Let that sink in. They had seen him only as a miracle worker and not the Son of God that came to reveal God the Father. So Jesus says in verse 37, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never, no, never cast out. Here's, here's the precious promise that Jesus is making here in verse 37. He's like, God's going to draw people to me, and when sinners are drawn to me, I'm not going to turn any of them away. I love that. That when sinners are drawn to Jesus, he's not going to turn any of them away. That tells me whoever comes to Jesus, whoever comes to Jesus, Jesus is going to save them. That's our Lord. Charles Spurgeon, the great prince of preachers, once preached this. I love this. I've got a lot of quotes from Spurgeon, but this is one that I love. In one of his sermons, he says, Christ is able to save you if you come to him. I mean, this is Spurgeon just urging people to get their life to Jesus. He's like, Christ is able to save you if you would come to him. Be your faith weak or be your faith strong. Spurgeon said that. You know, I could preach the gospel and witness to anyone and everyone, whoever they are, whatever they've done whatever their past might have been, whatever they may think of themselves, if they come to Jesus, this is what I know about my Lord. He promises to save them if they'd only come to him. That's our Savior. True today, true yesterday, true forevermore. You know, I wonder if you've ever heard somebody tell you that God loves you. Surely you have. I hope you have. I wonder though if somebody's here and they never heard that Jesus died on the cross for you and for your sins you know maybe you've heard that many times but maybe you've turned away from it but I can promise you this you come to Jesus today he will he'll save you he'll promise to save you I heard about a pastor and his and his son they had moved to a new town and they were going out knocking on doors and they were giving out little door hangers and they were putting them on the the doorknobs of people's houses, not really knocking on the doors, but just putting the door hangers on there and then retreating, you know, just inviting people to come to church. But this, the father watched his son walk up to one particular person's house, and he didn't even put the door hanger on the door hanger there or on the doorknob there. He saw the mat, and he ran away. Y'all know what the mat said? The mat said, leave. And he came back, and he told his daddy, like, daddy, I couldn't do that. That, that doormat there said to leave. Can I tell you something? You'll never see that on the, on the front porch of a church anywhere. You shouldn't. Because what we want to say is welcome. We want you to know Jesus. Jesus wants to save you. Maybe you've been taught that God is angry with you, will always be angry with you. Maybe you've been taught that you cannot come to God until you cleaned up, straightened up, buttoned up, and dressed up. But you come to Jesus, my Bible says that Jesus will save you. Your Bible says that too, by the way. 
You know, way back over in the Old Testament, we read these words in Ezekiel. For I have no pleasure in the death of anyone. God said that. No pleasure in the death of anyone. So turn and live. It does not please God for anyone to die in their sins. It doesn't please God for people to spend eternity in a place called hell where they would be forever separated from all that is good and from all that is God's. So what God says, even way back in the Old Testament, is turn to me and live. Peter puts it this way, 2 Peter 3, verse 9, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but he's patient toward you, not wishing that anyone should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So, so if I could say one thing about our Lord, he is a God that keeps his promises. He is a promise keeper, and he will judge sin. If you die in your sin without trusting Christ as your Savior, you will spend eternity in hell. But our Lord doesn't want any of you to go there. He wants all of us to put our faith in Jesus. He doesn't wish for anyone to perish, but for all to turn and to put their faith in him. I love these words. It's worth saying it as many times as we can. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not what? Perish, but have what? everlasting eternal life jesus lovingly receives everyone who comes to him he desires oh i like this he desires the small timid steps of a child just as he desires the the steps of an adult giving their life to jesus i love the fact that our lord made the gospel simple enough for a child to understand it i love that he made the gospel simple enough that i can understand it the older we get, we just like to complicate things, I think, a little bit more and throw a little more mud in the wrenches and gears of, of how salvation should work. But he desires the small snippet steps of a child just as he desires an adult, an adult's uh, steps to come to him. He, de- he welcomes those broken by life. He welcomes those whose head is hanging down low because of the guilt of their past. You come to Jesus and he promises that I will shelter you. Y'all with me? All right, just making sure y'all are, make sure y'all aren't asleep, because we got one family that drove all the way from Disney World last night to be here today. If anybody should be sleeping, it ought to be them, and they're awake. I'm glad they're awake. I'm glad they're here, too. All right, so y'all with me? Say amen. All right, third promise we see in our text is that when you come to Jesus, he will permanently save you. When you come to Jesus, when you surrender, he will permanently save you. Savior, have you noticed that every one of these promises and everything that we've seen here in the text is basically a promise from our Lord to us? Verse 35, whoever comes to me shall never hunger, no, never thirst, nor never hunger again. Perfect satisfaction. Verse 36, whoever comes to me I will never cast out. That's the shelter that Jesus promises. But then look at verse 38. Jesus says, I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me, and then he explains the Father's will, follow along, that I shall lose, excuse me, nothing of all that he's given me, but raise it up on the last day. This is the will of my Father. Everyone who looks on the Son and trusts in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up. Jesus is saying this is God's will. Everyone, everyone who looks to me and believes in me will receive the gift of eternal life, and the promise that I'm going to Raise him up on the last day. Jesus doesn't say, I might. He doesn't say, I could. He doesn't say, well, if you're supposed to or if I'm supposed to. He basically, you come to me and I will raise you up. You ought to underline that or mark that. Lip skip, mascara, ink, pencil, whatever. He will raise you up. Therefore, 
don't let your hearts be troubled. If I were to die right now, I'm in the presence of Jesus. I'm in heaven. Now, we were talking Wednesday night, studying our heaven, how the Bible talks about there's three heavens. And the first heaven is basically when you walk outside this door and you look at Earth's atmosphere. Uh, that's, that's a type of heaven. It's not the heaven. When, you, when I think of heaven, I think of the heaven where I'm going. I'm going to be with Jesus. It's a place he's got ready for me. But the, the first heaven is just what you see outside the Earth's atmosphere. The second heaven, according to scriptures, is interstellar space. When you get out there at the night sky, you got your Bible, not your Bible app, but you got your star map out there and looking up at all those stars and the constellations and the galaxies. The Bible talks about that. God created interstellar space. He created the, the heavenlies, if you will. But when the Bible talks about where Jesus resides and where believers in Jesus resides, it is the third heaven, and I simply call it heaven. Y'all with me? Y'all call it heaven as well. And my salvation, me going to heaven, is secure because it all depends upon Jesus. But depend upon me, it depends upon Jesus. Listen, well, you don't have to turn over there because I think I got this on the screen. Yeah, John chapter 10, verse 28. One of my favorite promises of Jesus when it comes to how you can know that you're eternally secure. Y'all are already reading that. I'm glad that you are because the words of the Bible are powerful. The words of Jesus are powerful. John 10, 28 says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will ever snatch them out of my hand. One of the most beautiful illustrations of that. You know it well, so you don't have to turn there. But one of the beautiful illustrations of that verse is over in the book of Genesis. And it's a beautiful picture of not only of God's grace, but of God's willing to save as well. And that's the story of Noah. Y'all remember when Noah built the Arky Arky, right? All right, we're not going to sing that song, although that's embedded in my memory because of trips I've taken with the kids. But the Bible says that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. The ark is a picture of salvation. And the flood is a picture of God's judgment of sin. Y'all all remember the story, right? Noah built the ark, and then the animals came two by two, and the floodwaters came. Noah and his family goes into the ark, and who shuts the door? God, yeah. God shuts the door. It's God that's keeping them in that ark. The Lord shut them in. We read about that in Genesis 7, verse 16. So, so all of y'all remember that, right? Say amen if you do. That God shuts them in there, and when the floodwaters come, the ark begins to rise, but who's safe within the ark because God put them in there and keeps them in there, but Noah and his family. Now, what could they do in the ark? Can I tell you what they could do in the ark? Whatever they wanted to do in the ark. Gosh, it probably smelled. But they were in the ark, and they were kept safe and secure. God shut them in, and God kept them in there. It was all because of the Lord and his grace and his love and him wanting to save them. So they could do whatever they wanted to in the ark. Now, for us, Jesus says, you come to me, it's all about me keeping you safe, me keeping you secure. The Bible says if you're in Christ, you're, you're safe, you're secure, you're sealed by the Holy Spirit. So when you come to Jesus, you're placed in Christ, just as Noah was placed in the ark and sealed by the Holy Spirit. Well, the Holy Spirit is what seals you and me into our salvation. So once you're saved by Jesus, hey, basically, you're saved forever. And I know what you're thinking. Gosh, Rod, you should have said that a whole five minutes ago. Well, anyway, I finally got it out. Once you're saved by Jesus, you're saved forever. No one, Jesus says, can snatch you out of his hand. Now, let's just have fun. Let's use our sanctified, glorified imaginations. Y'all got one? I know I do. So let's just pretend God said, hey, Noah, 
right, when the flood waters come, uh, I want to shut the, the doors of the ark, and I want to keep all those animals safe. But before, we, you know, before that ark sets sail, I want you to build eight pegs on the side of that ark. And when that boat takes up you know, and starts to float, you better hold on to those pegs for dear life. Now, aren't you glad your Bibles don't say that? I'm glad my Bible doesn't say that because I would then ask this question. Who would ever be saved if our salvation was dependent upon us? If Noah's having to hold on to a peg and his family's having to hold on to a peg for their salvation, they better be good swimmers because they're not going to be able to hold on to that peg for their salvation. Hey, can I just tell you this, and I hope you're getting the analogy. Once saved, always saved isn't a Baptist thing. It's a Bible thing. It's not a Baptist doctrine. It's, it's a biblical doctrine. Once saved, always saved doesn't mean this, though. It doesn't mean, hey, once I walked the aisle of a church during an invitation song, and, and I was saved for, forever. I had one particular person that's very dear to my life. I call him the coolest man in Hartsville because he really is pretty cool. I mean, he really, he's in his 80s now, still rides a Harley. Who does that? Well, he does one of the coolest people I've ever been around. And forever he would tell me when I would ask him about his salvation, well, I remember walking the aisle. Well, good. I'm glad you remember that. But it got all over me. And Ralph, I was never satisfied knowing that he was saved until I had a one-on-one -on -one conversation with him and said, tell me about your salvation experience. And he really couldn't, other than all he remembered was walking the aisle. I'm thankful people walk the aisle. I'm thankful we give an invitation and we allow people to respond to what Jesus is doing to them. But if you're just walking the aisle thinking that's going to save you, it's not going to save you. A relationship with Jesus saves you. It doesn't mean once you belong to a Baptist church, you're saved forever. Or it doesn't mean that I once prayed a prayer when the pastor led me to prayer means that I'm saved forever. There are, there are people in church, maybe even some in this room, who feel secure that shouldn't feel all that secure. Maybe you've been trusting in a decision you made one time, but it's really a superficial decision. Or maybe you've been baptized, or the fact that you came from a Christian family, you're banking upon that to get you into heaven. And if you're trusting in all of those things instead of trusting in Jesus, we need to talk. When Noah and his family were in the ark, they were kept safe because God kept them in that ark. And when you're in Jesus, you're going to be kept in Jesus. And may I just tell you this? People ought to be able to look at your life and say, something's different about them. They walk different. They talk different. They act different. I hope people see Jesus in my life, don't you? So, so how do you know you're right with God? Well, you just need to come to Jesus. You come to Jesus and he will permanently save you. He will satisfy you perfectly, and he will shelter you protectively. But listen to this, it all depends upon Jesus. I, I love this picture. Um, the older I get, the more I'm, I like stuff like this. And what's cool about this picture, this is from the NASA website. That, that's a photo of, of a rising earth. They call this the, an earth rise. And it was taken by the astronauts on Apollo 8 as, after they came from behind the moon and after the lunar orbit, just insertion burn. That's when they took this particular picture. First time humans ever saw an earth rise from another heavenly body. Isn't that cool? <laughs> that God would allow us to use some of the wisdom he gives us and technology to do something like that. 
it was asked of one of the astronauts that went to the moon, and I didn't do enough research to find out what astronaut said this, but it's pretty neat. I've heard this before. You've probably heard this before as well. The story was asked of one particular astronaut when he was on the surface of the moon looking at Earth. What came to your mind? And this is what he said. He said, what I was thinking about was how every part on the, on the spacecraft that's going to be getting me back to Earth was built by the lowest bidder. Can I just tell you something? Your salvation didn't come at the price of the lowest bidder. He paid the highest price so that you can be saved. He paid the highest price so that you can know that you're saved. God wants you to have a no-so salvation. He doesn't want you to go through life wondering. And he doesn't want you to go through life. God the Father doesn't want you to go through life wondering with your head head down, kind of like beat up and stuff like that, wondering, golly, I hope I'm saved. I did this yesterday. I hope, man, surely he's not going to save me now. He doesn't want you to go through life always wondering if you're saved. He doesn't want you to ever be in doubt when it comes to your salvation. If anything, he wants you to go through life like this. Not that you're always smiling all the time because people think you're weird if you're walking around Charlotte going, all right? That's just not natural for us to always be smiling like that, like a chesty cat and stuff like that. But when it comes to your salvation, he wants you to be excited about it. I got heaven waiting on me. Am I prepared to die? Well, in one way, yeah. Am I ready? No, not, but, but I'm ready in one sense because I know where I'm going. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I know where I'm going. I've got this blessed assurance that we've sung about through the years. Y'all know that song, Blessed Assurance? Some of y'all know it pretty good. I'm about to sing it. I feel led to sing it. It's going to be pretty rough, Todd. Oh, my gosh. So anyway, y'all sing it with me. Blessed Assurance. Jesus is mine, oh what a foretaste of glory divine, heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior. All the day long. Let me ask you to bow your heads, every head bowed and every eye closed. Heavenly Father, um, thank you for this precious time. Lord, I pray I've done your word justice today. Lord, I thank you for those that are here. I, I thank you, Lord, that some have said yes to you. You've given them the assurance that they're saved. And maybe your prayer today church family for some of you that are here is that you really 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 want that assurance that you're saved i hope you have that maybe some of you are here today and you're like you know pastor i, I really think i'm saved but i want to make sure i want to recommit my life today you know there's nothing wrong with that nothing wrong with that whatsoever that's one thing i want to make sure my friend billy knew was that he was recommitting his life to jesus maybe he did say a prayer uh, as a kid or as a teenager years ago when he walked that aisle but i wanted to make sure you know why because i want somebody like that with me in heaven and maybe today you just need to recommit your life to Jesus. I would encourage you to do that. 
as we stand and sing in a few minutes. Some of you here today, maybe God has shown you that, that you are without him. And for you to have forgiveness of your sins and salvation, you need to come to Jesus. And I would urge you, as Spurgeon did to his congregation years ago, do so today. Heavenly Father, thank you for, for just loving us, for loving us so much that you died on the cross for our sins, for rising from the grave, your grave, to give each and every one of us eternal life. Thank you, Lord, that as we turn from our sin and as we trust in you and in you alone for salvation, you promise to save us. You say that in your word. So, Lord, I pray that for somebody in this room today that's never asked you to be their Lord and Savior, may they pray, may they cry out to you, asking you to save them, to give them that assurance of everlasting and eternal life. Come into their life right now, Lord Jesus, and stay there with them forever. Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you, Lord, for how your people might respond today as a result of worshiping you this morning in this place. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let me ask you to stand to your feet wherever you are, and as you stand, Trey and myself will be down front. If you need to come down and